This is the Retirement Solution Podcast with financial advisor John Hicks, founder of J. Hagen Capital. And I'm Heather Branch here with John talking about ways you can better prepare for your financial future. RetirementSolutionRadio.com is where you can go to begin your own conversation with John and his team at J. Hagen Capital. Again, that's RetirementSolutionRadio.com. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Big moments in U.S. history. I'm not going to go exactly in chronological order here Hmm. because I have a plan. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I have a plan, dang it. (laughs) 19, nope. See, I already messed it up. I already messed myself up. 1889 is when the first Wall Street Journal was published. Oh, then you fast forward all the way to 1981. Sandra Day O'Connor, nominated for the U.S. Supreme Court by the late, great President Reagan. Absolutely. Was sworn in as the first woman justice two months later. My wife got uh, Sandra Day O'Connor's uh, autograph on an, uh-uh. air, on an airplane uh, for my father. Yeah. Um, my goodness, that's probably 15 years ago, 20 years ago that's now. Very cool. Amazing, I know. A little connection we just made there in American history. Uh, here's where American history goes not the way we want it to. July 2nd, 1913. John, you're a history buff. You might know where I'm going with this one. Yes, I do. The 16th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was passed by Congress. What's that 16th Amendment, sir? The ability to tax as a government on its citizen. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to think about this. Mm -hmm. So our country was founded. We became our own nation in 1776. Okay. And the amazing thing is, is that when you look at why we decided to break away from England was what? A 1% tax on tea. No taxation without representation. That's right. 1% tax on tea. That begat, right. That (laughs) begat the, the Boston Harbor incident, Mm -hmm. which essentially started us wanting independence. But in 1913, our great forefathers realized that we might need, if we were going to stay one great nation, might need some money in the coffers to pay for some other stuff. And, to be truthful, I think that it was probably a wise thing to do. We do need some things to spend as a country. Now, yep. the way that our tax system has gone from 1913 to date, however, is painfully terrible. <laughs> and the bigger piece of the puzzle is it's nearly impossible to know what we should be doing as individuals. The current tax code is over 78,000 pages, Heather, 78,000 pages, which would, for most people, fill up uh, an entire room in their home. Um, and most yeah. people can't read it. It's right. written in some weird legal Greekanese. Right, as I say, um, Latin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's very difficult for us to figure out what actually applies to us, what doesn't, and so forth. But when you think about it, most every single one of us would love to go back to just a 1% federal tax. Yeah. Which is what we had when they started in 1913. Those were the days, sir. Now here we are in 2023. And the conversation, what I want to ask you about is specifically on an annual year to year basis, because it's one that is confusing because the opinions, they vary all the time. People's thoughts on getting a tax refund Mm -hmm. and asking yourself, did you get a refund this year or did you end up owing money? You and I have talked before about how we both had to pay money to Uncle Sam and oh, yeah. scarred. Uh, many people have this mindset, though, that if you get a refund, all right, high five you, you did it right. And that if you ah. pay, oh, how terrible you did. You did it all wrong. Is that really the case? Or should we, I've heard before, you're supposed to be aiming for zero. 
Well, and then also, what do we need to be thinking about as we shift towards our retirement years? Yeah, so interesting point. So you, you made a very interesting commentary earlier when you said, hey, you know, the people that got a refund, they think that they did their taxes yeah, right. Yeah. Well, or part number two, you gave the government an interest-free loan for a portion of the year because you had more money withheld than you needed to. So that'd be one way to think about that. Part number two, though, is, is did you pay the least amount of taxes that you were legally required to pay? And that's what I often find out. There's a lot of people that get money back, but they're not getting it back in the right ways. They're not getting what they could have gotten back in that situation. Really? Or, in my opinion, they should be withholding less money. Right. Because if you're getting money back, it means that you filed your taxes in a way that you overpaid. Mm-hmm. So, guys, it would be better is if you had that money because there is a time value to money. If you had that money in your pocket, you could have invested that. You could have uh, you could have done something else with it and actually had more potential money in your pocket. So when it comes down to did you pay or did you not pay and it being better or not, that's unfortunately not the right way to think about it at all. So the biggest thing that we can understand, regardless if we're going into retirement yet or not, mm-hmm. is there are three ways that we could essentially be efficient with our taxation. Okay. A lot of people can accomplish two out of the three, but you can never be fully efficient in accomplishing all three. So what are those? Okay. Number one, you could decide that come heck or high water, you want to pay the least amount of money in taxes today, right now, this year. That is a choice. And if you do that, that's perfectly fine. You would be very efficient today. Okay. Okay. So I want us mm-hmm. to think about that. So that is one way to do it. And when someone says, well, I got money back, I didn't pay in that much this year. That means that that's what they're trying to maximize. That's mm-hmm. what they're trying to be efficient on. Okay. However, over the long run, that might be a death sentence for your efficiency really? on your taxes. Really? Because the second way that we could actually be efficient is if we want to pay the least amount of taxes, not just this year, but over time. And so when there's, we're thinking about retirement, this is how we typically pose it to our clients. Hey, guys, do you want to pay the least amount of money this year? Or do you want to pay the least amount of money total over the course of your retirement, which might be 15 to 30 years for your choice? So we can be the most efficient today and we'll do that for you. And you're going to pay the least amount of money taxes that you can legally pay this year. Mm-hmm. Or would you like to potentially save three or four or $500,000 over the course of your retirement by doing what? being efficient for the total taxes paid. See, guys, that's very, very, very different. And this, unfortunately, is what I see a lot of people getting wrong. And who do I mean by people getting it wrong? Well, a lot of investors are getting it wrong. A lot of retirees are getting it wrong. And I hate to say it, but a lot of CPAs and tax professionals are getting it very wrong. It's because, because they're thinking about that short-term game, right? They're that's the only most thinking, common that's it. thought process. They're only thinking about saving the most money today. Right now, yeah. Why? Because if they told their recent new client, hey, it's going to cost you $700 more this year than you thought you were going to pay. But hear me out, you're going to pay $30,000 less over the next 15 years. Well, most people are not going to hear that second part. They're going to go, what do you mean it's going to cost me $700 more today? And that's the whole point, right? So we have to understand we can be efficient today. We can be efficient over our retirement or the near future, which is 15 to 30 years. Or number three, we can be completely efficient on how we transfer that wealth to the next generation. And that's when we're talking about estate planning. That's when we're talking about trusts. That's when we're talking about, hey, you've done an incredible job saving. You have four, five, six, seven, thirty million dollars, or you have an unbelievable real estate empire, or you have a a small business that's going to go to the next generation. Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that that asset or those assets get transferred to a surviving spouse first 
But then did the next generation without Uncle Sam coming and taking 20 to 50% of that? Because guys, if you don't plan correctly on how that wealth is going to be distributed, and the first time it's distributed in a couple is usually between the spouses, Mm -hmm. where it goes from joint ownership to a single owner. Now, all of a sudden, think about it if you're out there and you know you file taxes. If you have a married filing jointly tax return, that is much more lenient, much more flexible than a single filer for taxes. And all of us are aware of that. We're unfortunately painfully aware if we're a single filer, how oppressive that system is. So what we have to figure out is you can typically achieve two of the three of those. Okay. So Heather, what I'm saying is if someone wants to be efficient now, pay the least amount of money in taxes this year, they could also potentially be the most efficient for transferring that wealth to their kids. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Or part number two, if you decided, no, 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 John, I get what you're saying. I don't necessarily want to pay the least amount just this year. Over the next 30 years of retirement, what could I potentially save? Yeah. And so Heather, I'm going to use an example here. There was a couple I met with, I don't know, it's been a couple weeks ago now. Wonderful people. They'd saved about two million bucks. Awesome. Yeah. But they'd saved a lot of that money in tax deferred accounts. And as we were looking through that, when we looked at what their RMDs were going to be, their required minimum distributions that was going to be forced to come out when they hit 73 years old, we saw that they were going to be jumping up into a much higher tax bracket. Mm-hmm. They were going to be going from a 12% tax bracket to nearly what will become the 28% tax bracket. Simply because more of the double oh, their current more, That's my whole point. That's my Yikes. whole point. And, and their previous tax person yeah. was being efficient only for quote unquote this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what we found was, is there was two different opportunities that we could use for them. And they were very excited to find that of that $2 million, about 1.4 million was in tax deferred accounts over the next tax five deferred, years. deferred, like 401k. 401k, yep. traditional IRA. Yep. Okay. If we decided that we were going to take a portion of those dollars each year for the next six years and purposefully shift those to tax-free accounts, you can do this through Roth conversions. We can do this through trust. We can do this through gifting. We can do this many, many, many different ways. We were able to look on paper and we were able to see that if we did this, we were going to save them about $763,000 of taxes over the course of their lifetime. Oh, Guys, that's a ton of money. And why is that? Because their CPA was saying, well, listen, you know, you might as well pay the least amount of money in taxes now because at your age, it does not make sense to do Roth conversions. And my only question was, why on earth did they say that and not look through the math? Because the math is very, very, very clear. Whether or whether or not this couple even lived past 77 years old, they would have been in a better position by doing the Roth conversions. Why? Because their kids were successful. Their kids were actually in higher tax brackets than they were. And that's what, what piggybacks. So this not is what only we call compounding Uncle Sam's wealth. Oh my goodness, Heather, you have no idea. So when we look at that, or what would be his wealth if we didn't know yeah, our rules. Exactly. So not only were we potentially going to save them seven hundred thousand dollars over the course of their lifetime, because we were going to have these positioned using trusts, Roth IRAs, and insurance plans, since we were able to consider doing that, we were potentially going to save their kids about another one point three. $3 million. So when you put that all together, Heather, we would expect over this couple's lifetime, if they live to be 85 years old, yeah. which is about the average, yeah. we would save between them and their children over $2 million in taxes. And if you recall, 
What did I say they started with in the very beginning? Two million dollars. And that has nothing to do with growing or compounding that money. That simply had to do with over time putting the right dollars in the right places by being efficient, not just on today's tax rate, but over the course of retirement and as we transfer the wealth. If we focus on the right pieces of the puzzle, ladies and gentlemen, the tax code is very, very, very flexible on what you can achieve. But if you're thinking myopically or on a one one year basis, trying to save the most money this year because you, you, you squeak when you walk. Unfortunately, the government has a different plan for you and it's going to be potentially not as attractive. So if you want a better outcome, you cannot do better unless you know better. Call my staff today so that you can know better. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Solution Podcast with John Hicks. Begin the conversation about your savings plan with John and the team at J. Hagen Capital by visiting retirementsolutionradio.com. Be sure to listen to John's radio show, The Retirement Solution, Saturdays at 8 a.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. on News Radio 840 WHAS. J. Hagen Capital Inc. is not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if J. Hagen Capital Inc. is licensed in your state, please call 502-690-5635. J. Hagen Capital Inc. is not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. It does not provide legal or tax advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Jonathan Hicks. Insurance license number 548962.